0: for some inexplicable reason, God wants to love us and to be loved by us. This is the Lifespring One Year Bible, coming to you from Riverside, California, and I'm Steve Webb, your OG Godcaster, podcasting since 2004. How are you? This is The Law Monday, and our reading today will be Exodus 29-32. through I'm calling this episode... Why should I worry? And I'm gonna answer a question from a LifeSpring family member about the childhood of Jesus. Remember, I'm giving away a copy of the Jesus Revolution book to three LifeSpring family members this coming Saturday. If you'd like to have one of these, you'll have to enter the drawing. And the way you do that is by sending an email to me at steve at lifespringmedia.com with the words, I want a Jesus revolution in the subject line. Or you can send a boostogram with those words. Are you planning to go to see the movie this week? Leanne and I are. For us, it'll be the second time. If you're on the fence and you want to see some trailers for it, go to lifespringmedia.com slash JesusRevolution. I've got some trailers up there. Now before we get to the reading, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word and I pray that you would speak through me as I comment on today's reading and as I answer the question about the boyhood of Jesus. I pray this in his name, amen. Okay, you ready? Let's begin. Exodus chapter 29, the Lord continued. Now this is what you must do in order to set Aaron and his sons apart to serve me as priests. Take a young bull that has no defects and two rams that have no defects. Use the finest wheat flour, but no yeast, and bake some loaves of bread, some rings of bread made with olive oil, and some wafers brushed with olive oil. Put the bread in a basket and bring the basket along with the young bull and the two rams. Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and wash them. Take the clothes and put them on Aaron, the linen robe, the ephod and the robe that is worn with it, and the breastplate. Use the belt to tie it on him tightly. Put his turban on him and fasten the holy crown to it. Take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. Have his sons come forward. Dress them in their linen robes and put turbans on them. Tie belts around the waists of Aaron and his sons. They alone are to be priests. This is a permanent law. In this way, you will ordain Aaron and his sons. Then bring the young bull to the front of the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons will place their hands on its head. Slaughter the bull in the Lord's presence at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Take some of the bull's blood and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger. Pour the rest of it out at the bottom of the altar. Then take all the fat that covers the internal organs, the lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys with the fat on them, and burn them on the altar. But burn the bull's meat, skin, and excrement outside the camp. It is an offering for sin. Take one of the rams. Then Aaron and his sons will place their hands on its head. Slaughter it, take the blood, and throw it against the altar on all sides. Cut the ram into pieces. Wash the internal organs and legs, and put them with the other pieces in the head. Then burn the whole ram on the altar. It's a burnt offering, a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. Take the other ram. Then Aaron and his sons will place their hands on its head. Slaughter it, take some of the blood, and put it on the right earlobes of Aaron and his sons, on their right thumbs, and on the big toes of their right feet. "'Throw the rest of the blood against the altar on all sides. "'Take some of the blood that is on the altar "'and some of the anointing oil "'and sprinkle it on Aaron and his clothes "'and on his sons and their clothes. "'In this way, Aaron, his sons, and their clothes will be holy. "'From this same ram take the fat, the fat of the tail, "'the fat that covers the internal organs, "'the lobe of the liver, the two kidneys with the fat on them, "'and the right thigh.' This is the ram for the ordination. From the basket of unleavened bread which is in the Lord's presence, take a round loaf of bread, a ring of bread made with olive oil, and a wafer. Put all of these in the hands of Aaron and his sons, who will offer them to the Lord. Then take them from their hands and burn them on the altar on top of the burnt offering. It's a soothing aroma in the Lord's presence, an offering by fire to the Lord. Take the breast from the ram used for Aaron's ordination and present it to the Lord. This will be your share. Set apart as holy the breast that is offered to the Lord and the thigh that is the contribution. Both will come from the ram used for the ordination. They both belong to Aaron and his sons. It is a permanent law that the Israelites give this portion to Aaron and his sons as a contribution. This will also be their contribution to the Lord from the fellowship offerings. Aaron's holy clothes will belong to his descendants so that they can be anointed and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him as priest, the one who goes into the tent of meeting to serve in the holy place, will wear them for seven days. Take the ram used for the ordination and boil its meat in a holy place. At the entrance to the tent of meeting, Aaron and his sons will eat the meat of the ram and the bread left in the basket. They will eat those offerings through which they made peace with the Lord at their ordination and installation. No one else may eat them, because the offerings are holy. If any meat or bread from the ordination is left over until morning, burn it up. It must not be eaten, because it is holy. Do this with Aaron and his sons exactly as I have commanded you. Take seven days to ordain them. Each day sacrifice a young bull as an offering to make peace with the Lord. Sacrifice this offering for sin on the altar in order to pay for its sins. Then anoint it with olive oil in order to dedicate it. For seven days at the altar, make peace with the Lord and set the altar apart for its holy purpose. Then the altar will be most holy. Anything that touches the altar will become holy. This is what you are to offer on the altar regularly every day. Two one-year-old lambs. Offer one in the morning and the other at dusk. With the first lamb, make an offering of eight cups of flour mixed with one quart of virgin olive oil. Make a wine offering of one quart of wine. Offer the other lamb at dusk, and with it, make the same grain offering and wine offering as in the morning. This is a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. For generations to come, this will be the daily burnt offering made in the Lord's presence at the entrance to the tent of meeting. There I will meet with you to speak to you. I will also meet with the Israelites there, and my glory will make this place holy. I will dedicate the tent of meeting and the altar for their holy purposes. I will set Aaron and his sons apart for their holy duties of serving me as priests. Then I will live among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God. I brought them out of Egypt so that I might live among them. I am the Lord their God. Exodus chapter 30. The Lord continued. Build an altar out of acacia wood for burning incense. Make it 18 inches square and 36 inches high. The horns at altar must be made out of one piece of wood. Cover all of it with pure gold, the top, the sides, and the horns. Put a gold molding around it. Make two gold rings and put them below the molding on opposite sides to hold the poles for carrying it. Make the poles out of acacia wood and cover them with gold. Put the altar in front of the canopy which hangs over the ark containing the words of my promise. I will meet with you there in front of the throne of mercy that is on the ark. Aaron must burn sweet-smelling incense on this altar every morning when he takes care of the lamps. Also, when Aaron lights the lamps at dusk, he must burn incense. For generations to come, an incense offering must burn constantly in the Lord's presence. Never burn any unauthorized incense on this altar or any burnt offerings or grain offerings. Never pour a wine offering on it. Once a year, Aaron must make peace with the Lord by putting blood on its horns. Once a year, for generations to come, blood from the offering must be placed on the altar to make peace with the Lord. It is most holy to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, When you take a census of the Israelites, each person must pay the Lord a ransom for his life when he is counted. Then no plague will happen to them when they are counted. As each person is counted, he must give one-fifth of an ounce of silver using the standard weight of the holy place. This one-fifth of an ounce of silver is a contribution to the Lord. Everyone counted who is at least twenty years old must give this contribution to the Lord. The rich must not give more than one-fifth of an ounce of silver, and the poor must not give less. This contribution is given to make peace with the Lord and make your lives acceptable to the Lord. Take the money the Israelites give to make peace with the Lord and use it to pay the expenses of the tent of meeting. It will be a reminder for the Israelites in the Lord's presence that the sins in their lives are removed. The Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze basin with a bronze stand for washing. Put it between the tent of meeting and the altar and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will use it for washing their hands and feet. Before they go into the tent of meeting, they must wash so that they will not die before they come near the altar to serve as priests and burn an offering by fire to the Lord, they will wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This will be a permanent law for him and his descendants for generations to come. The Lord said to Moses, Take the finest spices, twelve and a half pounds of powdered myrrh, half as much, that is, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cane, 12.5 pounds of cassia, all weighed using the standard weight of the holy place, and four quarts of olive oil. Have a perfumer make these into a holy oil, a fragrant mixture, used only for anointing. This will be the holy oil used for anointing. Use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark containing the words of my promise, the table and all the dishes, the lampstand and all the utensils, the altar for incense, the altar for burnt offerings and all its accessories, and the basin with its stand. In this way you will dedicate them for their holy purpose. Then they will be most holy, and anything that touches them will become holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons as well. In this way you will set them apart for their holy duties of serving me as priests. Say to the Israelites, For generations to come, this will be my holy oil used only for anointing. It must never be poured on the bodies of other people. Never make any perfumed oil using this formula. It is holy, and you must treat it as holy. Whoever prepares a perfume like this, or puts it on anyone who is not a priest, must be excluded from the people. The Lord said to Moses, Take one part fragrant spices, two kinds of gum resin and aromatic mollusk shells, and mix them with one part pure frankincense. Have a perfumer make it into a fragrant incense, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. Grind some of it into a fine powder, and put it in front of the ark containing the words of my promise in the tent of meeting, where I will meet with you. You must treat it as most holy. Never make any incense for yourselves using this formula. Treat it as holy to the Lord. Whoever prepares anything like it for his own enjoyment must be excluded from his people. Exodus chapter 31 The Lord spoke to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in skill, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship, to make artistic designs for work with gold, with silver, and with bronze, and with cutting and setting stone, and with cutting wood, to work in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I have also given him Oholiab, son of Ahizamac of the tribe of Dan. And I have given ability to all the specially skilled, that they may make everything I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the atonement lid that is on it, all the furnishings of the tent, the table with its utensils, the pure lampstand with all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar for the burnt offering with all its utensils, the large basin with its base, the woven garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to minister as priests, the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place. They will make all these things just as I have commanded you. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, Surely you must keep my Sabbaths, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So you must keep the Sabbath." for it is holy for you. Everyone who defies it must surely be put to death. Indeed, if anyone does any work on it, then that person will be cut off from among his people. Six days' work may be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Anyone who does work on the Sabbath day must surely be put to death. The Israelites must keep the Sabbath by observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. He gave Moses two tablets of testimony when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai. Tablets of stone written by the finger of God. Exodus chapter 32 When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Get up, make us gods that will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Break off the gold earrings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the gold earrings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. He accepted the gold from them, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made a molten calf. Then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow we will feast to the Lord. So they got up early on the next day, and offered up burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. The Lord spoke to Moses. Go quickly, descend, because your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned aside from the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf, and have bowed down to it, and sacrificed to it, and said, These are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. Look what a stiff-necked people they are. So now Leave me alone, so that my anger can burn against them, and I can destroy them, and I will make from you a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God, and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, For evil he led them out to kill them in the mountains, and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger, and relent of this evil against your people. "'Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by yourself and told them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken about I will give to your descendants, and they will inherit it forever.' Then the Lord relented over the evil that he had said he would do to his people. Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands." The tablets were written on both sides. They were written on the front and on the back. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, It is the sound of war in the camp. Moses said, It is not the sound of those who shout for victory, nor is it the sound of those who cry because they are overcome, but the sound of singing I hear. When he approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses became extremely angry. He threw the tablets from his hands and broke them to pieces at the bottom of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it in the fire, ground it to powder, poured it out on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought on them so great a sin? Aaron said, Do not let your anger burn hot, my lord. You know these people, that they tend to evil. They said to me, Make us gods that will go before us. For as for this fellow Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. So I said to them, Whoever has gold, break it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and this calf came out. Moses saw that the people were running wild, for Aaron had let them get completely out of control, causing derision from their enemies. So Moses stood at the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. All the Levites gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. Each man fasten his sword on his side, and go back and forth from entrance to entrance throughout the camp, and each one kill his brother, his friend, and his neighbor. The Levites did what Moses ordered. And that day about three thousand men of the people died. Moses said, You have been consecrated today for the Lord, for each of you was against his son or against his brother, so he has given a blessing to you today. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a very serious sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement on behalf of your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has committed a very serious sin and they have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, wipe me out from your book that you have written. The Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, that person I will wipe out of my book. So now go, lead the people to the place I have spoken to you about. See, my angel will go before you. But on the day that I punish, I will indeed punish them for their sin. And the Lord sent a plague on the people because they had made the calf, the one Aaron made. Well, today's reading really covered a tremendous range, didn't it? From the anointing of Aaron and his sons as priests, to the instructions for sacrifices, to God's giving the tablets of the law, inscribed with his own finger, by the way, to the abomination of the golden calf, to Moses interceding on behalf of the people. It's hard to know where to focus my comments today. I could talk about how Jesus is represented in establishing the priesthood, in the daily offerings, and in the different elements talked about in chapter 30, which were the altar of incense, the ransom each person was to pay at the census, the bronze basin, the anointing oil, and the incense that was used in the tent or tabernacle. All of these things pointed to Christ in a specific way. I could talk about how God enables us for the work He calls us to, as He did Bezalel and Aholiab, and all the workers who were to help with the work. I could also talk about the significance of God delivering the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone, and I could talk at some length about the shameful scene of the golden calf. Beloved, as I sit here today reading these four chapters, I'm struck at God's infinite patience and love for us. I can't fathom how or why our omniscient, righteous, holy God, knowing the path that mankind would take, would nonetheless create us. I mean, think of it. He created a perfect planet for us. He placed our first parents, Adam and Eve, there, where there was no sickness and no death. Nothing was there that would cause harm, but because God wanted mankind to love Him of our own free will, He gave us the ability to make the choice between right and wrong, knowing that we would make wrong choices. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. Ultimately, God made a way, at great cost to Himself, for mankind to be reconciled to Him if they would just believe in the Savior that He Himself provided. This is a love that drives me to my knees, beloved. I can only offer up my feeble praise and worship. I have nothing of value to offer Him. He didn't choose me or you because of anything that we could do for Him. He is entirely self-sufficient. He doesn't need us. But for some inexplicable reason, God wants to love us and to be loved by us. The entire relationship between God and man is based on His infinite love. Why would He put Himself through the heartbreak of seeing us rebel against Him time and time and time again? Why would He give up the glories of heaven to live on the earth as one of us, only to be mercilessly beaten and hung on a cross? Why would He? I honestly cannot begin to imagine this kind of love. All I can do is accept it, knowing that it cost him so much that I can never repay him. All I can do is offer him my life, as broken as it is, to do with it whatever he wants. Some people might say, isn't that a scary thought, to offer your life not knowing what he'll do with it? And my response is, whatever he does, he will do with love. Why should I worry? He loves me, and He is good. Well, beloved, what do you think about God's love? Let me know. Call the LifeSpring Family Hotline at plus one nine five one seven three two eighty five eleven, or comment via Boostagram. You can also go to comment.lifespringmedia.com or send an email to me at steve at lifespringmedia.com. See how easy I make it for you to get in touch with me? That's how much I want to hear from you. Well tomorrow will be History Tuesday and we'll complete the book of Second Samuel with the reading of chapters 20 through 24. New mail notification James Garner sent me a comment and he said, "I caught up. Now that I've heard the beginning until now I get what you're doing. It's not as confusing as I thought it was, but now the question. I was listening to someone talking about the Quran, and she mentioned that in the Holy Bible you don't hear much, if anything, about Jesus during childhood. I suspect she's right, as I cannot call up anything from what exposure I had to the Bible, yet I seem to know just about every Old Testament story you've covered so far. Furthermore, she said that Jesus, specifically his childhood, is covered in detail in the Quran. Is this true? Why would this information not be covered in the Holy Bible? Seems like it would be there. And he just signed James. Well, first off, thank you for your note, James. And congratulations on getting caught up. I do understand how the format can be confusing at the beginning. And that's one reason that every so often I take a moment in the show to explain why we seem to be jumping around in the schedule. I'm glad it makes sense to you now. Now, your question about Jesus' childhood is reasonable. Of course we're curious about His childhood. Really, though, all we know about Jesus as a boy is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 41-52. through 52. I encourage you to go read that. But the fact that God only gave us this very brief glimpse of Jesus' childhood tells us that God didn't find it necessary to give that information to us. But He did give us what was needed for His purposes. We just have to, in faith, Trust that he knows what he's doing, and of course he does. Now, in regards to the Quran, while we are supposed to demonstrate God's love to the Muslim people just as we are to anyone else, the Quran is not God-inspired scripture. If it has a story of Jesus' childhood, we can't look at it as reliable. While the Muslims regard Jesus as a prophet, they deny that he is the Son of God and the fact that He is God. As a matter of fact, one of their primary teachings is that God has no Son. Well, as Christians, we believe that God is one, but that He is, at the same time, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with Jesus being the Son, of course. And there are many biblical passages to support the concept of the Trinity. Many. And Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Some try to say that when Jesus said, He and the Father are one, that He just meant that they had the same mission, the same mindset. Well, that's not at all what He was saying. When Jesus said, I and the Father are one, He was saying that He was equal to the Father. And when He said that to the Jewish leaders, they understood that He was making that claim. That's why they picked up stones to stone Him to death for the crime of blasphemy. When they picked up the stones, Jesus said, Why are you doing that? They said, because you, being a man, make yourself God. So they understood what claim he was making. And Jesus also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Muslims reject that. I could spend literally hours on the differences between Christianity and Islam, but that isn't what the Lifespring One Your Bible's all about. We read the Bible here and we discuss what God says in it. And by becoming students of the Bible, it becomes easier to discern the truth from falsehood. If other teachings contradict what the Bible says, we have to set them aside. James, I hope that helps, and thanks again for your question. Feel free to write in anytime. <laughs> I get to thank a couple of people today. John Train came in today with his monthly fifty-dollar donation, making him this episode's executive producer. John, thank you so very much, brother. God bless you. And Jorn Rune Ryderson came in today with his weekly five-dollar donation. He is today's associate producer. Thank you, Jorn, and God bless you. Lifespringmedia.com/support Remember that our next time of prayer will be this coming Wednesday. If you have something you'd like to share with the family in terms of prayer requests or praises, go on over to prayer.lifespringmedia.com and fill out that form there. If you like, you can call in your prayer request or praise on the Lifespring Family hotline at plus one nine five one seven three two eighty five eleven. Remember to send in your entry for the drawing for a copy of the Jesus Revolution book. Send an email to me with the words, I want a Jesus revolution or send a booster Graham with those same words. I'll do the drawing on Saturday. Thanks to Scott Snyder for today's art. And also thanks to Sister Denise who does the transcripts, Michael Hainer who does the chapters, Jason Pascal, who also does some of the artwork, and Brittany, who does the newsletter. I'm so thankful for you guys, and I'm thankful for you. Thank you for inviting me into your day. And now, until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. My name is Steve Webb. Bye. The Lifespring Media family of programs are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Thank you. Boost.